everybody. Welcome to the fifth episode of Drive Through FM. Uh, today we're going to cover my top five games of 2015 so far, but with the caveat that I'm going to cover games that were released prior to Origins. I typically do this every year, kind of do it right before Origins just to kind of kick off the con season, just to kind of catalog and capture those early releases in the year because those are often forgotten, even by myself. When I try to figure out, you know, what is the, my favorite game of the entire year, a lot of those early, like January, February releases especially, uh, just get forgotten. And even last year, I did not include Liberty or Death at my end of year uh, list. And for some reason in my head, I had that as a uh, 2015 release instead of a 2016 release. So I totally screwed up there. <laughs> so this is why I do this, just kind of take a snapshot and then, you know, just kind of go from there. Uh, and so we'll jump into that, and I'm doing this sort of quickly off the back of the last episode where I talked about my experience at Origins, trying to get back on a regular schedule, or I try to do one of these at the beginning of a month, and I really would probably like to do kind of a pre-Gen Con episode uh, in August, and to kind of cover some of the games I'm looking forward to for that. So I said, let me jump in and do this, and I can kind of correct myself and do my kind of annual, I guess now it's annual, I've done it for a few years now, uh, top five games of the year so far. Uh, before I get into that, uh, just uh, a little quick what's been going on type of thing. Well, I just posted reviews for Unearth as well as Sentience, which are two, uh, I would say, like cousin games. Uh, they're both got some dice manipulation, a little bit of set collecting. They're pretty light, relatively, about 30 to 45 minutes to play. Uh, definitely go check those reviews out. I just released those... Uh, Maybe today, at the time that you would hear this, or yesterday. So, yeah, definitely check those reviews out. I kind of waited to uh, release those both at the same time because they're very, very similar. And I really did enjoy both games. Uh, so, But I don't want to spoil too much of the review if you haven't watched it yet. But I did enjoy both of the games. And uh, they both have really good artwork and really good mechanics and all that good stuff. And kind of in that spirit, I guess I'll give you kind of a sneak peek of reviews that will be coming up within the next week or so. Uh, my queue is pretty big. I've had a chance to play a lot of games, and I just need time to shoot videos and edit videos and all that good stuff. But I think next week I will re be reviewing Lorenzo Il Magnifico. I've had a chance to play that now some more since I first played it at Origins. And that game's actually really growing on me. I thought the game, after I first played it, was pretty good. You know, it's, it was sound, it was solid, all that good stuff. And then I had a chance to now play it with four players with the full count. Really enjoyed it at that player count, so more than two in some ways, and but I'm not going to get too into detail, but I did like it, I think, a little bit better with the full player count. Really good, solid, crunchy Euro, uh, kind of like one of those mechanics for mechanics sake type of games, uh, but I do enjoy that kind of thing from time to time. Uh, so definitely look forward for that review. And then also we'll see in there the Automobiles expansion uh, is really, really fun and really cool. They did a lot of really... Uh, interesting additions there's kind of like a campaign mode and some driver special abilities and there's like sponsors and stuff like that uh, that's a really good one we love it uh, as a family playing automobiles quite a bit uh, so definitely look for that soon and the next game i might get to is will be cottage garden which i've had a chance to play only twice so far uh, but i'm really liking that i know it's a little bit older of a game uh, from uh, the perspective of the whole globe the whole world but Stronghold's bringing that over now, and I'm, I hope to get that reviewed, along with probably a game that kind of come out of nowhere, 
uh, called Skyward from Passport Game Studios. I bumped into the folks there at Origins and uh, they got me a review copy of it. I was really stunned by the artwork for it. It's really cool. And the kind of the quick brief explanation I got, I said, okay, this will be good. This will be a good lunchtime game. And we've been playing the heck of that out at lunch and really started to dive into it this week, especially adding in uh, some of the built-in expansion type of things, extra modules to kind of beef up the complexity a little bit. And so I had a lot of fun with that. So those are probably uh, the next few that I'll review that I do enjoy uh, to different degrees. And uh, who knows, I may get a game of uh, Monopoly Gamer in. So I kind of got bit by the hype engine, I guess, or whatever it is, kind of the organic hype engine of folks playing it liking. I've read through the rules and kind of like, you know, walk through the turns in my head a little bit. It seems like it would be an awesome game with kids, you know, maybe like eight-year-olds around that age, give or take. Uh, so I'm going to try to get that played. I don't have any kids that age anymore, um, but I may bring it to a game night kind of as a lark and see what we like. But it's, it, to me, it doesn't really strike me as like this is a game you'd bring to a game night. Uh, but it does seem like it would be pretty fun to play this with uh, smaller kids for sure. Now, other than that, I guess the last thing before we move into the main topic is I've been gearing up for a Warhammer 40,000 tournament. That's in a couple of days at the time of my recording of this. And I've only played two games of Warhammer 40K so far and really enjoyed it. It's a lot like Age of Sigmar. It definitely has a lot of extra layers in terms of strategy and complexity and all that stuff. It's not a lot more complex than Age of Sigmar, but there's definitely some different layers there because of all the different weapons. And you have like, you know, if I shoot you with my little pistol and I shoot a tank, you know, that's not going to do as much damage. Whereas if I have a flamethrower, that's going to be good against, you know, big old swarm of units that are very small. So you have a lot of those kind of interactions and things. And there's just a couple extra kind of little layers of rules. So I'm pretty excited about that, a little bit nervous, but because uh, I'm not super competitive, but going to these kind of tournaments is just a way to get a bunch of games played in a day. And typically I run into folks with that similar attitude at a local shop here. Uh, so that's been uh, a good breath of fresh air and a nice, I guess, change from what I expected. I expected, you know, a lot more hardcore, gritty gamers that are really just kind of out to win at all costs kind of thing. Uh, but I hope that kind of carries through with 40K as well. So I'm super excited about that. Now, moving into our top five games of 2017 so far... Uh, I will just sort of caveat this up front. I think everybody will guess my number one game, I would expect. And it's this is a weird year because the number one game now, like it's such like this over-the-top bombastic achievement. I'm totally spoiling it, but I'm not going to say the name of it. But it's just completely like a light years apart from the typical games that are released. So I'll just kind of leave that, uh, let you think about that for a minute. But jumping into number five, is Ethnos from Simon Inc. Uh, really, really fun game. Very light, very quick. I did a review of this one about a month or a couple of months ago. And it's sort of like a ticket to ride mashed with Small World. I do see some, I guess you'd call them complaints about the artwork and the graphic design. Yeah, I can kind of see that. But it, I don't know. Once, you're, once I'm in playing the game, it's that kind of stuff dissolves and I'm more interested in the strategies and you know playing the right cards. It's got a really interesting uh, set of mechanics that are very simple, like take a card, play a card, or play a set of cards, and then you'll activate all these special abilities. So it's kind of like somebody took Ticket to Ride, instead of just like laying down tracks, 
you put out these area control markers and then most of the time activate some cool kind of Magic the Gathering kind of combo-rific ability. And the different creatures that are represented by the cards uh, can kind of interact in, in strange and interesting ways based on you know which of the 12 different creatures you shuffle into the deck. Because there's 12 creatures and you use six basically decks for the different creatures. And so you can really kind of mix and match the gameplay. Uh, there's a lot of reviews on that. And I think the overall feedback in general has been really positive on that game aside from the art and everything so definitely check out ethnos if you've not had a chance to play it i think it might be tricky to find but maybe it's now uh, more readily available heading into gen con now number four is i think a little bit uh it's gonna be a little bit of a tragedy because this number four is gangs of kimura now this is from gangs workshop and this is kind of a light skirmish slash campaign game but with jet bikes and hoverboards it's set kind of in the dark eldar portion of that universe set in the city of kimura and these different kind of biker gangs i guess you could call them uh trying to go and uh, commit crimes and then they have these interactions and that's where the gameplay comes in where you kind of fight it out and duke it out over a couple of uh you know different styles of play and then you have kind of a little mini campaign mode uh, to go through that and you can upgrade your fighters and get new equipment and all that kind of cool stuff. A really, really fun gameplay, super quick, and just kind of dovetailing off of that. I really wanted to put Shadow War Armageddon uh, higher up on this list, but I decided not to actually include that. I wanted to keep this kind of board game centric. Now, there was a box set of Shadow War Armageddon that you could buy. It came with the terrain, came with some orcs and space marines and the rule book and all that good stuff. You can't get that box anymore, and it sounds like they're not going to print more copies of it now you can buy the rule book you can get you know all the different kinds of factions and armies and things that you want to throw into it uh, but it's not really readily available i'm not sure how much it's going to be supported i've really been enjoying that i've got also got to review that one i could review that one any day i've played seven games of it so far i frankly just haven't had kind of the heart to do it because i know most of the people that listen to this channel are you know mostly board game folks and so they like a box game I'm the same way. You know, I like a box game with everything in it if I can get it. Uh, but on the other hand, paradoxically, I like to play miniatures games now, uh, so it doesn't really bother me. But I do recommend, if you have the inkling and the hankering, to check out Shadow War Armageddon. I will try to do a review of that here pretty soon. Because you can get the terrain pieces. You can use any terrain you want, really. You can get the rule book. You can, of course, get the models and all that stuff. But Gangs of Kimura is really cool because it gives you a lot of models in there, enough for definitely two players. But if, like, let's say you and a buddy each got a box of it, you'd have way more than enough to kind of run through a campaign and grow your forces and all that really cool stuff. The gameplay is really, really quick. So as a one-off game, I mean, you can have, like, games that end in the second round. That's not really that fun. But if you're playing a campaign, you can play a couple of games back-to-back, -back, and then, it, you know, it's more interesting because there's just a lot more kind of narrative that's going to flow over the course of those multiple, uh, you know, battle sessions. So that's Gangs of Kimura. Now, the third game came out very, very early. It may even technically count as a 2016 release. I don't think so, though. This is Manhattan Project Energy Empire, sort of a follow-up to the original Manhattan Project, which came out, I think, about five years ago now. Uh, this plays not really like the original. This is a little bit more friendly, a little bit quicker, and that's really kind of the thing that strikes me about it, as the few times that we've played this, you can get a game in done like right about an hour 
you know, give or take 10 minutes on either side of that. Even I played a four player game of this and we were done like right, maybe an hour, hour, five minutes, that kind of thing. And it's really quick, really crunchy, really meaty. There's just a lot of really cool decisions and it's kind of very innovative kind of worker placement kind of thing, which is sort of reminiscent of the original game. But it's not as mean. Like I said, there's not really attacking. You can't bomb other players' buildings and stuff like that. Uh, there's some interesting kind of paths to victory uh, going on. There's basically like three tracks of like science and uh, technology and economic kind of thing. And so you can kind of branch through all of those. You kind of want to double dip, I think, into two of them and then to really kind of, you know, get your engine a little bit more versatile, but, you know, you don't want to spread yourself too thin. Uh, this game I highly recommend because it, it sits in a unique spot because I feel like it's kind of a medium to crunchy. I wouldn't say it's heavy, but it's kind of a medium to crunchy Euro that plays really, really, really quickly. Uh, you know, it's definitely not a filler at all. And you get a lot of that. You can play a game of this and it's only going to take you an hour. And you kind of feel like, cool, I've, you know, I had the, the sort of main course of my game night. And then maybe you can just play it again back to back because it plays so quick. And we've done that. We've played two in a row of it. Uh, so I definitely recommend this game. And it's another one I've reviewed. And there's been a, at least a few reviews about this one. And I kind of feel like this one has sort of flown under the radar uh, more than it should have. So definitely take a look at the Manhattan Project Energy Empire. That was number three. Now, number two, I reviewed relatively recently. This is Yokohama. Now, this came out, I think, at Essen last year, but now it's been brought over by Tasty Minstrel. I know there's a kind of a deluxe edition floating around. I don't have that one. The deluxe edition is really cool. Uh, the basic game that isn't the deluxe edition, I don't feel bad that I have that and not the deluxe edition. It's fine. The components are, you know, above average for sure, even compared to most other kind of Euros. This is also a very kind of interesting and innovative, I would say, Euro. Uh, it's from the designer of trains, Hisashi Hayashi. It's got a lot of replayability. It's got some real interesting spatial aspects. Uh, so it's kind of like a, a spatial worker placement game where you'll kind of move your main worker around to these different boards that you kind of organize randomly. And you kind of build like a little map. And so I'll take my main worker and then kind of drop off these little cubes as I'm moving around and then, or, well, you put the cubes down first, then move, but it really becomes stunning in a visual sense in terms of you can kind of realistically and physically see your strategy on the board. Like it's, it's more of a, I kind of classify euros sometimes into two categories. Like there's spreadsheet euros and then there's more like train euros that are more spatial and there's proximity and routes and things. So you kind of have a balance between that. But this one is more on the spreadsheet side, and I'm not using that as a negative term, but it's more like in your head, you know, what's going on in the resource conversion, all that stuff. That's kind of happening in, in, in your mind, in your, your brain space, not necessarily on the board. But this kind of sucks all that out, and then you, you can really see, okay, this turn I'm going to do this. That's going to be followed by this hopefully next turn. If Billy does this, then I'll, you know, dovetail and do that. But then you can really see that visual plan on the board, which I really, really like in games and when they can kind of accomplish that where it's not all in your head and you're kind of leaving everything to your imagination this is sort of like a blueprint for kind of the roadmap that's a very corporate term but i work in a corporate office and we're always talking about like the one year the two year roadmap you kind of have your long-term goals and then all the little details to get there and this really kind of feels like that but in a fun way i played some games that feel very corporate that aren't quite as fun <laughs> but this one is super fun so 
I wouldn't let that kind of stiffness of, of the corporate ad- adjective uh, steer you away. Uh, really, really innovative game. Uh, definitely take a look at, at Yokohama. And then this moves us into the number one. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to pause for about three seconds. And so you can now talk at your car or at your iPod or whatever. And you can say the word along with me. It's Gloomhaven, <laughs> which is the number one game of 2017 so far. At I don't know what else to say about this game that I didn't say in my review that I haven't heard dozens and dozens of people say on the internet, on forums and all in their own reviews and stuff like that. It really is just a very astounding and audacious and it's like borderline obnoxious the level of achievement that the game has. This is really a it's really a lifestyle game frankly. Because I have not played this thing, gosh, I would say in at least three months. Uh, and now, now I'm a little bit different because, you know, I've got games coming in and reviewing. And I've also got this miniatures thing which eats up time. And also work life and child life and uh, wife life and all that good stuff. Uh, so this is very much a lifestyle game. This is a game that you're going to play over the course of a year or maybe two years. Uh, you know, you, the campaign's huge. There's so many different characters you're going to unlock. You can go back in and you can play it again. You can pick it up and play kind of like an arcade mode style thing where you just grab some characters and play them, which I've done. And at the time I think of the review, I hadn't yet played it that way, if I recall correctly. And I've had a chance to play that where we just pick a mission, we pick some guys randomly, kind of like level them up to whatever we want to do, and then we play through it. And it was really, really fun. Like I would totally just play it that way uh, without the kind of the commitment of the campaign. It was still very interesting a very kind of interesting puzzle to crunch and work through your combat abilities and just kind of play with some of those extra cards uh, that you get, you know, as you level up. It's like, oh, well, let's play up. We're level three and we can take these cards and build our little decks and now we're ready to go. And then, okay, the game is going to scale up to that level. It's really fun that way. I mean, if he had just released the game in that sense, I think it would have been successful to some degree. Uh, it's really, really fun to play that way. But Everybody wants to play, I think, the campaign and kind of play the legacy aspect of it, and that makes a lot of sense. And there's just so much kind of like just packed in there in terms of the stories you can read and just kind of the level that you can immerse yourself in a game. And I mean, I think I called the review like the subtitle was D&D in a Box, and I got some snarky comment that said, no, there is a game called D&D in a Box. It's called D&D because you can go buy like the starter set and it's in a box. And I was like, okay. So, but anyway, so anyway, I highly recommend this. I mean, obviously, if you didn't back the Kickstarter, either of them, then you probably won't get it for a, a while. Either way, I'm sure they'll have some more copies to put into distribution, I would hope, uh, after this uh, second run through through Kickstarter. So that's kind of the number one game. And frankly, I kind of alluded to this at the beginning of the podcast. And I was like, okay, everybody knows my number one, probably, if you thought, you know a little bit about it you could probably guess it and i feel like this is going to kind of annoy me at the end of the year because man there's these other games that i i haven't played necessarily more than gloomhaven i think i've got nine or ten plays in now of gloomhaven and you know i haven't played anything else i don't think quite that much some stuff certainly approaching that number but yeah it's just going to be strange because my personal kind of just I guess you call it like a lifestyle is not going to allow me to revisit this. It's just not like I'm not going to take time 
to stop these other things that I'm doing to come back to this and play through the whole campaign. I just can't do it. I'd have to, you know, I'd have to like stop reviewing games for a couple of months or stop. Yeah, basically that's what I'd have to do. I'd have to stop that and probably stop, you know, getting into minis and all that. You know, I, I just can't do that. I kind of want to. Let's, I, I'm really conflicted if you can't tell. Like I'd be like, yeah, that would be cool. Like I don't mind just taking off a couple of months and just playing Gloomhaven for a while. I mean, I could do it. So it's a strange thing. And it kind of sort of an analogous thing to that is Pandemic Legacy. Uh, you know, that's coming out uh, the second season of that. And I'm super excited for that. I had a chance to talk to Rob Davio very briefly at Origins about it. And I kind of I kind of jokingly said to him, I said, can you can you be quiet now? Because I don't want to hear anymore. I'm already excited. And he kind of looked at me cross-eyed. He's like, no, no, I'm not going to spoil anything for you, dude. And I'm like, okay, I just don't want to hear nothing. <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, so it's kind of a sidetrack. I'm super excited for that. And Pandemic Legacy Season 1. Okay, where does that sit for me now? Now, that was my favorite game of 2015, 100% true. I have not cracked open that box since then. I have not played it. I do think you could play that game actually after you finish the campaign. For sure, you just kind of play the, maybe that that last scenario or you play uh, sort of a vanilla version of Pandemic but with all that abilities and things unlocked. You could totally play that. But I get asked a lot about this. You know, hey, when are you going to redo your top 100 games of all time? You know, and I think at the earliest it would be 2018 and I'm certainly thinking about that. Uh, not to get more sidetracked, but I thought about Pandemic Legacy Season 1 at least. I'm like, okay, now where would I put that? Because I have literally not played that at all for what will be like two years. And definitely I'll play Pandemic Legacy Season 2. So maybe that will kind of push it back up into my consciousness a little bit. Or I can sort of maybe name Pandemic Legacy as a whole, Season 1, Season 2. You know, I feel like there's going to be a Season 3 you know, who knows, but it's very hard to sort of put that game in a list like that because, you know, like a Kalis, like a Frostgrave, like a One Night Ultimate Werewolf, uh, those are things that are just going to kind of come out generally over the course of the year. Now, I may not play Kalis, you know, more than two, three times a year at this point, but when I do, it's like, you know, this wash of fulfillment and pleasure and escapism and all those good adjectives come over me when I play it so I, I can revisit it and know yes this is still still the one or the two we'll, we'll see but you can't really do that with the pandemic legacy so can I really put it so maybe I'm just super overthinking this but it is something I think about because I'm I'm putting a piece of nostalgia into my top games and nostalgia is okay um, my nostalgia is sort of a pet peeve of mine. It's sort of, I think, uh, uh, I don't know. It's almost, uh, I wouldn't call it one of the seven deadly sins, not to get too serious, but it kind of, for me, it kind of is. I'm like, oh, nostalgia, yuck. <laughs> I can't handle it, but that's just me. So anyway, I kind of dovetailed and wishy-washed over that. But Gloomhaven is kind of that same thing. It's like, yeah, it's awesome. I haven't played it for six months, you know. <laughs> okay, really cool, though. <laughs> So that's, that's tricky. So anyway, that is the topic. Uh, last couple of things to talk about is the, you know, the next episode we'll be covering kind of a Gen Con preview. 
I do sh- plan on popping onto another podcast, but it's not confirmed due to scheduling conflicts. But hopefully I can jump on with some friends and I'll sort of, you know, advertise that as well. But I certainly will do my own little kind of maybe top 10 uh, games that I'm looking forward to at Gen Con. Now, I'm not going to Gen Con. And last year, I did not miss it at all. And this year, I already know I'm going to miss it because I went for, I think, five or six years I've been. And then last year, I needed a break from it. And this year, I was kind of like, let me do new conventions, origins, all that good stuff. Uh, Shut up and sit down and uh, on PAX Unplugged, I'll be there as well. So, But anyway, uh, but I am going to miss Gen Con this year because, yeah. Anyway, I'll talk more about that during the Gen Con episode, but I'm not going... I'm, I wouldn't say I'm sad because it's just a gaming convention, whatever. But, yeah, I am going to miss it a little bit when I see posts and everything from there. So those of you that are going, have an awesome time. Take care of yourselves. Stay clean. Stay hydrated. All those important things. I don't really have any pop culture thing to close out with. I will say I did go see Spider-Man. I did go see Wonder Woman this summer. Those are probably my top two movies of the summer so far. I am looking forward to Valeria. But the kind of the early reviews are that it's garbage, but the guy that did Fifth Element did it, and that's one of my favorite movies of all time. I know it's not a really good movie, but I really enjoy kind of just the look and feel of that and the kind of weirdness of it. Uh, But hopefully Valeria doesn't suck too bad. Uh, But anyway, that's just kind of a random pop culture thing, and it is the movie Summertime. But anyway, uh, everybody uh, take care and uh, chat to me on uh, Twitter or Facebook or whatnot on Board Game Geek. And have a good uh, rest of your July and August. Thanks.